Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the 20-something podcast. Today, I am joined by my sweet friend, Leah, who is a legislative assistant in Washington, D.C. Hi, Ashling. Hi, thank you so much for being with me. I'm so, so excited to have you here today. There's been a lot of just stuff going on in D.C. And this episode, when it comes out, it will be the day before the inauguration. So we're just going to kind of dive into everything politics and you just being there and I'm really really excited because I feel like I haven't talked to you in so long but ever since we were in college you've always been very politically charged talking about everybody needs to vote I remember texting you um during while we were still in school to find out where my polling location was (laughs) like you're just like the go-to gal Yes, 2018 was a big year for um, getting our sorority and everyone that came into our sorority house um, registered to vote so that that was a good time Yeah, and we do know each other from school. We were in the same sorority, and we were roommates for like a year and a half or maybe two years. Yes, we were, and I can't believe that that was already like two years ago. Isn't it crazy? That we're older and that um, we have to have big girl jobs and that we're not in college anymore is really crazy to me. Literally, I feel like like it was years ago, and it's so nuts to me. Anyways, let's dive into kind of the transition leaving college in Orange County and going straight to D.C. How has that transition been for you? Yeah, so I mean, when I moved from Orange County to D.C., it really wasn't that big of a move for me, it felt like, mostly because I interned in D.C. my junior year of college. So I already had spent like, I was in D.C. for five months for that internship. And during those five months, I I learned about D.C., like navigating my way through the city So when I moved back to D.C. post-college, it obviously was different because I was looking for a job and it wasn't just to intern, even though I had an internship. But I already was familiar with the city and Capitol Hill since that was where my old internship was. So it wasn't that stressful. Um, Honestly, it was kind of like a relief. I was really ready to leave California and I grew up like in Fullerton. So then going to college there for four years, I was really ready just to move and um, like have a new experience and be in a new environment. That's so awesome. And when you when you got your job moving, when you fully moved to D.C. and got that job, are you still at the same job? Well, no. So when I moved to D.C., I moved to D.C. with an internship that was unpaid. And um, luckily, I had gotten that internship from an alum of Cal State Fullerton. But it was really nice of them because they let me intern there before as long until I got a job. And so I was search I was job searching for five months and working at a coffee shop until I found my current job that I've been at for over a year now. That's so awesome. So tell me about your current job. You're a legislative assistant. So go ahead and dive into that and explain what that is. Yes. So I work at a small lobbying firm. Our office is like across the street from the Capitol and our firm is um, a financial services firm. So that's what we specialize in. And so basically we're hired by clients that and we work with their government relations department and let them know basically how regulations and policy that is being worked on on the federal level would affect them. And then in turn, they communicate to us if that's like good or bad for them. And then we then go talk to lobbyists or sorry, not to lobbyists. We then go to Capitol Hill and talk to members of Congress about their concerns or if they approve of it and um, relay that to them in a really basic term. 
Lobbying is very complicated um, thing and sometimes gets a bad rap. So that's kind of in the most basic terms. Wow. that might, You must be a busy gal every day. <laughs> yeah. So I'm personally not a lobbyist, but I kind of do all the background work and have to right. be really in the know of what's going on, um, like on Capitol Hill, especially in the financial services sector. And what is like your dream job? So my dream job, well, not in the next like couple years, I do really want to go back to work on Capitol Hill. I love Capitol Hill. The energy there is really fun. And I am really passionate about the work that the federal government does besides like what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dream, dream job would be, I would love to be an ambassador to the United or to another country from the United States. But that is a very um, steep task, I guess. You have to be nominated by a president. And I don't know any presidents at the moment. (laughs) Uh, So that's a little steep right now. But um, being an ambassador to another country would be super awesome. Or even to be able to be a foreign service officer in the State Department and work on behalf of the government in a foreign country would be awesome. Right. Wow, that sounds so cool. Yeah. <laughs> You're just casually like, yeah, I'm not friends with any presidents right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I feel a later in life thing, maybe when I'm 50 or 60. Um, but <laughs> I love it. But I have to climb a tall ladder to do that. Oh, absolutely. But I'm sure, Miss Leah, I'm sure you'll get there. Thank you. Uh, so what has it been like just being in D.C.? Like just in the last couple of months, I want to go back to just the election and how crazy it was during that ah. time at the election before we dive into being in D.C. during a whole insurrection. So let's yes. start with the election. So with the election, I mean, every it, it was really just like a normal day. It was a Tuesday. We all had work. and. Um, like the the day of the election is really not a momentous thing. It's usually the nighttime and like days after. So the day of the election, everything was just like any other day. I had a watch party with my friends because we're nerds and like to (laughs) watch watch politics for fun. Although everyone was watching um, the news that night probably, but we had a watch party and obviously, um, it was looking really, I don't know, kind of by the end of the night, depending on what time you went to bed, it was still pretty up in the air of who was going to actually pull it out. Um, mm-hmm. And so the days after, I think, were a little bit more exciting. At least I was, like, checking the polls, like, every hour. Um, but I think, like, the day that Biden um, officially won, um, which was, I think, like, Saturday, like, five days afterwards. Um, oh, yeah. DC, DC was like a really, um, everything kind of erupted here. So kind of when everything started coming out in the morning, um, people started buying champagne, like everywhere, all the cars were honking in the streets, there were people with flags, like at every corner waving Biden Harris 2020 flags. And a lot, yeah, just a lot of honking. I saw something that said there were more champagne bottles bought that day than like a New Year's Day. So everyone was just out in the street. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. So everyone was out in the streets, like partying. I actually went to the zoo with my roommate that day because she had tickets. But when we were, <laughs> but when we were walking, um, like to the zoo from the metro station, like there, were, everyone was just out and about. It was also a really nice day weather wise. So everyone was just out and about, really excited. Um, obviously, if you were happy about Biden, which I definitely was, for me, it just felt like a giant sigh of relief and that mm. the country or I guess DC was just letting it all out like, oh, like we did it. Like, 
this is over. Um, we might have spoken too soon. Uh, then, <laughs> but but um, at least that day, at least it was a really exciting, um, like happy day. That's that's like kind of how it was here, too. I mean, I was in L.A. the day that they had officially called it and said that Biden won. Yeah. And when I was over there, it was the same energy, just people in the streets and honking so much honking, just people going crazy out their windows. And there was it was it was so fun. And I was I was there recording. Um with Rebecca I was recording one of my first episodes and just driving through LA and seeing this energy I was like ah oh, it's all gonna get better it's all gonna get yes, better yes it probably was like that in many of the more or many like big cities um I don't know how it was in like really deep red places but um that's not where I was so we'll just focus on the positive oh yeah I'm gonna be very <laughs> thankful that I wasn't in like a deep red red state or city or whatever you know but yeah uh, let's talk about the insurrection were you in your office across the street when this was happening no thankfully so I've been working from home um since March but my I have a ton of friends that uh, basically all of my friends work on Capitol Hill and they've been on and in and out of the office depending on working from home of like their boss's rules and stuff and mm-hmm. so my roommate actually was told the night before to stay at home because they were worried about just the protests in general. And, right. you know, like, and to be clear, like, protests in D.C. are not, like, uncommon. Like, there's protests in D.C. all the time. And they do turn out, like, really big crowds. Um, I don't know how it compares to what the crowd that was um, there on last Wednesday, but people do turn out in the thousands to be here. So a protest in that sense, like, isn't rare here. Right. Um, but yeah, so no, no one, I did know some people at the Capitol that day, but I was not there, nor was my roommate, thankfully. That's crazy. And what about your other friends? Were they, did they were not in the office at all? They all were told not to come in, but did they feel like, I don't want to say, you know, like when you feel like I should have, like I was supposed to be there, but I wasn't and I got lucky. Like, did they have that kind of like mixed feelings? Yeah, well, um, my friend who works in a congressional office, he had COVID. And so he actually was, would have been there if he hadn't like been sick for the past week. Um, But I did have some of my friends that were there. Luckily, like they did have to um, like take shelter and like, um, hide in their offices, but there was no, from what I've been told by them, there were no like immediate danger because where they, their offices office was the protesters didn't get that far, at least in the house office buildings. So thankfully they were all okay. Yeah. I can't even imagine having that like feeling of like, Oh, what, what if something happens? And we kind of talked about this before we started actually recording, but that feeling of like, not even just your friends, but people in the actual offices, I guess, that were closer to where the riot was happening. That feeling of like having to call people or people texting you saying, are you okay? Is, is everything okay? I can't even imagine that feeling. Yeah. And I mean, it's really, it was really weird. It kind of like felt like an outer body experience because yeah. I mean, I, my apartment is like less than a mile away from the Capitol. And so, you know, like watching I was, like, watching it on TV, like, everyone else in the country, but to see something that's happening, like, basically in your backyard, but you're, Mm -hmm. like, not there was really, um, 
like very weird and surreal and then also just the fact that like I've I've interned there for like basically if you add up the months like a year like I've walked all of those halls and like and just thinking like you know like I I could have been there like anyone could have my roommate could have been there and it's what what's like really what's what keeps what I keep going back to is the fact that like what people saw on TV, besides the fact that it's not normal at all, is that where pro- rioters and protesters got to, especially like the cha- the House and Senate chambers, yeah, or or like even the places on the exterior of the Capitol. Literally, I haven't seen any of those. Like, I haven't seen any of those places like up front. Like, they got places that no one is allowed to go that are off limits at all costs mm-hmm. to get on to like get onto the Senate floor, which riders were at like you have to be with a senator like most staffers that work on capitol hill don't even get haven't even been to the senate floor i've only been on the senate floor once because i was on a tour with a um senator but like Mm -hmm. where they went is like so abnormal and like that to me like having been to the capitol like worked there walked its halls that to me is like what is stuck with me just because they got they got really really far like they were literally everywhere so I mean as of right now just the following week of the whole insurrection and the riots and everything that happened I'm seeing a lot of stories that are spewing out kind of like this was heavily planned when it comes down to just the videos that are being shown when it comes to the the officers that were there that kind of waved them in I don't know if you saw this is a very specific video that was going around but it was a woman who was a member of press and she was saying to an officer I'm gonna go in there and he was like nobody's allowed in there and he's just standing on the sidelines as all of these people are rushing into the place where he's saying no one's allowed in there and she's wearing a press pass and she's a member of press and he's like telling her she can't go in there, but everyone else can. And I just a lot of this and a lot of the details that have been coming out in the week following this event, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. And I have seen those reports that it was like maybe planned. I like I don't know. Personally, I don't really think that's true. I think it was just a lot of mix of no one really thought what happened was going to happen because I don't think that's ever happened. I mean, right. I think the last time people stormed the Capitol like that was in 1814 during like the War of 1812 or something. So that's literally like never happened in modern history. And so I yeah. think, so I think it was, it, it was like obviously a mix of a lot of things. I think, I think Capitol Police and DC Police in general were unprepared, um, but also were overwhelmed. So there is there is blame to place, and like action has been taken. Like the chiefs of the Capitol Police like did step down mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I think it was just like a really unfortunate situation that no one could have prepared for fully. But I definitely think they could have been more prepared. Right. And how has it been in the following week? Like, I know they brought in National Guard. I've been seeing pictures and videos of them sleeping at the Capitol, like just keeping everything on track. But are they also like just riding around town, like making sure stuff's okay, Or are they mostly focusing on the Capitol? Um, So they're mostly focused on the Capitol. But to make like a clear picture, so there's like the Capitol building and then um. So the center is the rotunda, which which is where like all the action really went down. But on both sides of the Capitol uh, is like the Senate chamber or the House 
and the Senate chamber. And Mm -hmm. so on the outsides of that, that's where all of the House office buildings are, so where the congressman's building offices actually are, and the Senate Mm -hmm. offices on the other side. So the whole campus, quote unquote, of the Capitol is like really big. So it's not just the Capitol that's fenced off. It's all the office buildings, all of the the entire perimeter, which is kind of like a two-mile area. And so all of that has huge fences. All of that has roadblocks everywhere. All of that at every single, like, every two, every, like, five feet, there's a National Guard. And so, like, I run around that route almost, like, daily. And so I ran the next day on Thursday after it happened last week. And, you know, I couldn't get everywhere. I usually go on my running route to see all the National Guard there. And it's increased in the past week. It's just, like, really weird. It makes me really sad because, um, like, it is the people's house, not in the way that those um, rioters, like, tutored it. But it is, like, the people's house. And it's sad that, like, anyone – well, not that anyone's visiting because of COVID. But, like, you can't go up to the Capitol anymore to the normal normal degree. And, like, it just looks really sad now. I mean, there's huge fences up. And that's just, like, not how it should be. But – yeah, so so all of so the guard guard literally is up, and um, as everyone has seen, there's supposed to be like fifteen thousand National Guard um, here, staying through inauguration day. And I mean, DC is under like a current state of emergency through the inauguration, um, and so everything's just on like high high regard until um, for the next week, I guess. Wow. So what about the inauguration? How I mean, we know we think as of now, because of all of the National Guard that's there and all the extra security that will be that this is going to run as smoothly as it possibly can. But do you think that there's still going to be those counter protests somewhere like just people making noise for the sake of making noise? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think so during the attack, rioters were literally on the risers that we that like are built and installed just for inauguration purposes so they were literally yeah. right where the inauguration happens so that's really crazy and now like oh two weeks later like something awful happened two weeks ago and now like something so american and so like traditional to our value to our country is happening so that transition is like very that picture of it's very weird in general um but now there are fences like built out all all the way to the lawn So I'm not really worried about protesters or rioters like storming the Capitol like that, how they did last week with all the National Guard also. But like you said, um, I mean, protests are already planned, like starting this week, I'm pretty sure. Um, I think there's just going to be a lot of people here this whole week, especially the day of the inauguration. And so I don't really know what to expect, um, mostly because no one really expected what happened last week to happen. Um, so I think there's just a lot of uncertainty and, you know, some of my friends have even talked about like leaving town and not even wanting to be here because of mm-hmm. it could be really dangerous. Mm-hmm. I am not super worried about like my safety cause I'll just be at home, but I do think there's going to be a lot of activity, especially the day of inauguration. Um, but I, I, I really don't expect anything crazier than what happened, um, with the original attack just because I don't really think that's possible 
with all of the fences and security and like there's 15,000 troops like that's a lot of people yeah, especially that's a lot of people <laughs> yeah like especially in a two mile radius like that's and they're closing off so many streets like even leading to downtown so I'd be really surprised if like anything really really scary or big happened but crazier things have happened so that's, not, yeah that's true yeah I mean I the other thing is is because of COVID and and having so many people in a in a, a confined space there's already not very many people that are allowed to attend the inauguration already right yeah completely so usually um I mean usually like even with the past inaugurations you see people crop all of the way through the national mall which is like that huge stretch from the capitol um to the lincoln memorial that's like a oh six massive mile. yeah it's so massive it's like a, yeah so it's like a six mile stretch and so usually when you see pictures of the inauguration they're filled that entire six mile radius. And so already with COVID, um, and also you can't, I don't know how tickets completely work, but I know that you can request tickets from your congressman. Mm-hmm. And so and I'm sure people can just like walk up. I'm not really sure. I've never been in DC for inauguration before, but right. I know you can obviously get, t- you can get tickets from your congressman. So no one's even doing that. So I think anyone that is going was obviously invited was like a family member a friend or like past president um but I mean I I personally was like thinking about me and my roommate were personally thinking about just kind of walking to the mall that day to see like what was happening um but now with what happened um with the capitol like obviously with the audit security too like I don't want to leave my house like right um, right so and and that's also sad like this again, like this is such an American, like this is tradition. Really yeah, it's like a tradition. Like it's a like there's only so many inaugurations like in someone's lifetime, and you mm-hmm. know, like my first inauguration in D.C., let alone um, a president that like I voted for, and also to see like the first woman become vice president, like that is yeah. historic, historic beyond words, and like really means a lot to me. And so it's a really besides COVID, like, a huge bummer that, like, no one can even go, and it's really unfortunate that, like, now people are scared to go, and that's just, like, not how it should be, and, like, the mayor um, has, like, told everyone, like, not to come to D.C., and, like, that people should not leave their house that day, basically, and I um, read something today that, like, Airbnbs and hotels are canceling any reservation um, in D.C., like, this week, or maybe, like, Inauguration Day, really to disincentivize people to even be here that's so crazy that is so unfortunate and I've been seeing so many of I'm just going to call them Trump supporters that's what everybody calls them I've just seen so many of these Trump supporters when they come back with their arguments of why they they had this riot and why they had like just attacked the Capitol and they're they just keep saying like well there's 75 million of us that voted for Trump and what about the 80 million plus yeah. people that voted for Biden? Like, you're yeah. not the only people that live here. And you, we can't celebrate this because you people had to ruin it. Exactly. And, and you know, it, it just takes one person to ruin everything. And, like, that is, in, in this case, like, did what happened. Like, yeah, like, it was, like, yes, they are accounted for. But also, like you just said, there are so many people that would have wanted to come to the Capitol to celebrate this like my friend was coming to visit or was planning on visiting 
Um, she canceled like last month because of COVID rises. But even right. then, like this is such a th- an important event that like young I would encourage everyone to like see one time in their life. I would like to see it now that I can't see it anymore. And just the fact that like this is it's already been rough like with COVID. Like it already isn't going to be a normal inauguration. And then plus just with like all the nerves and added security, like it's just like a it, it's going to be like a very bittersweet day. I think. Absolutely. I kind of want to want to shift gears for a second. We both have been very vocal about um, censorship. And when it comes to to parlor and own and just censorship in general, I've seen you tweet about this. And I'm sure everybody has seen my damn tweet about censorship and parlor and what have you. Um, Now, people are uh, as of right now, parlor is no longer on the Google App Store and the Apple App Store. But there's still it's obviously still a platform but people were heavily planning and tweeting about how they were going to come back and things like that and all these republican uh leaders on twitter were talking about how they're losing followers and how they're going to parlor and follow them on parlor because twitter isn't doing it for them anymore let's kind of just talk about censorship yeah i think this is a very it's a very like obviously complicated topic that um and I, and I do like to, I, I do think it is a very slippery slope and that cutting off someone's language in some regard can be like a slippery slope for turning into something bigger. But at the same time, you know, every, everyone knows like free speech doesn't allow you to yell fire at a mall or yell, yell bomb at an exactly. airport, you know? Exactly. And so what I think and, and again, those people that were protesting that day in D.C., like, they had every right to protest. Like, again, I've been to protest in D.C. There's so many of them during the year. But course, when it turns – yeah, and it's it's everyone's right. And But when it turns violent, which is what they're examining, I think, especially for um, the Trump impeachment, they're, they're, they're now going to have to go over and see if his rhetoric – really did mean an insurrection and that is tricky but but also on the topic of like twitter and um trump's twitter being um rescinded or uh taken off that to me is not censorship because you are signing up for a private company's platform and you sign terms of agreements. Everyone signs the same ones. It's not different for the president as it is for you or me. Right. And so I think when you are using a private platform, you can't get upset when you're kicked off for inciting violence or saying something that could be something dangerous. And I feel like he can't even be that shocked. Like his fleet tweets have been being been flagged since the election, since he's been claiming that the election was a hoax. He's been having yeah. these flags on every single tweet almost. And along Twitter with his Republican colleagues. Yeah. And and you know, people have been calling for Trump's Twitter to be to be suspended for years, basically, probably since he got elected, which I I mean, I don't think that was right. I mean, again, we do have free speech and like, it shouldn't be censored unless it is dangerous. Of course. But I I do think that Twitter did a really good job. I think it was important for them to flag, you know, since the election and anyone else who were was trying to spread false information, because 
really like that I think from that really started like the buildup to what happened to the Capitol I do think like it was it obviously was a mix of like the last four years and the like Trump's Trump's base is very passionate and powerful like that's not we all know that right but these were like very niche people like these were the most extreme of the extreme supporters in my opinion Mm -hmm. and and you know like it obviously there were you can go to parlor and um but I I do think censorship is a slippery slope but when it is causing violence or talking about something violent I don't personally think that's too crazy to question at least but I also think that media accessibility and censorship kind of go hand in hand in the sense of like the sources that people use and there's like when you were younger even probably now people make those like charts where they show like how liberal or how conservative certain networks are and the ones that are in the middle and the ones that are just plain unreliable because they're so far left or so far right and only like tweak the stories to favor their own sides but when it comes to those platforms like parlor or own that one uh, one american news network i think is what it's what it's called um those kinds of of networks are what these like radical extremists are having access to because it favors them so hand in hand with the president saying all of these things and his tweets getting flagged matching up with these heavily conservative networks just saying yeah what he said they're gonna continue with these ideas and just run with them which kind of led up to this insurrection but I think that that's what I'm circling back to it goes hand in hand with media accessibility and censorship does that make sense no it does and I mean I I watched ABC just put out a special I think yesterday that or on Monday that what that just focused on the Capitol and kind of those 24 hours and also like what led up to it. And I don't have parlor. I don't, I don't know um, how it works really, but in the documentary, it did feature some parlor. It like pulled tweets from parlor that was saying like, we should meet up here and like clear plans that people were just putting out. And I think that did, that did like speak to some people, obviously. I mean, so many people turned out for this Mm -hmm. and you know, yeah, and, like, those people did, the tweets like that are dangerous, but, and, and deserve to be either flagged or taken off or censored to that degree. Right, and that's the most important part about censorship is nobody's, like, censoring you for the sake of just being, like, we don't agree with you or we don't like what you said, it hurts our feelings, or you're just putting out something stupid onto the internet. Censorship is strictly in place to like at least control the spread of misinformation or harmful information yeah I think emphasis on the harmful because I mean even even before like Trump or or the election like there's always gonna be false information out there and obviously your social media is for the most part still gonna look like how you believe because you are friends with certain people and you follow certain people or brands so, I mean, to some degree, like, you're, you do shape your social media, but the, and there is always going to be misinformation out there, but I think, like, what was different about the attack and different about, like, why Twitter decided now to, to suspend Trump's, Trump's Twitter and why now the app stores are taking Parler off is because it did make that transition from 
free speech, unharmful, just different of opinions, and even false information. But now it turned to harmful, which is like, not okay. And when the First Amendment does come into play that you do not have full freedom of speech. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's a really hard concept for people to grasp. Because you know, when you learn about the First Amendment, the most important ones are freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Those are like the two most important ones that everybody automatically goes to. Yeah, like I can say whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. Yes. And people don't understand that at some point there is a line that's drawn because it's harmful or hurtful. Yeah, exactly. And people are always like, why? I'm in America. I can say whatever I want. And that is to some extent, like the beautiful thing about our country and like the First Amendment, that's what makes the like First Amendment so powerful in its convictions. But when you you but you don't always have freedom to say whatever you want, but people don't I don't know, like not every country has that. And I, I think sometimes we take that for granted. Absolutely. Well, when this episode comes out, it'll be the day before the inauguration. All we can hope for is a smooth transition and continuing to build up from here, I guess. It's just building, you know? Yeah, I I agree. And I mean, I think it still is going to be, you know, like when people said when it turned 2021 on New Year's, like not all of our problems are going to go away once Biden's inaugurated, just like how COVID didn't go away when the clock struck midnight on January 1st. Mm -hmm. But I do think, I I do hope that regardless of party, what happened on that last Wednesday or two weeks ago as of the inauguration, like was a really big wake up call. And I think to most people, like it was, it, I hope like it should scare you and it should worry you and it should make you kind of reflect on, you know, who you support, what rhetoric you're using and like the thoughts that you put out into the world and the thoughts you have internally. So I hope like after the inauguration, you know, people will start to heal and understand that like one person isn't like the end all be all. Right. And to to that same effect, I mean, in 2016, when Trump won, like, Democrats obviously were very upset. And I felt it was kind of being treated like it was the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were I mean, there, even at Cal State Fullerton, there were like, not my president um, protests or right. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. And I really didn't like that. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like, that was also a free and fair election. And right. At the end of the day, like, he is going to go down in our history books, Donald Trump as the president, and you can't really, like, deny that. And so I didn't really agree with, like, that rhetoric. But also, like, we have to remember, like, what's so, like, beautiful that our, the founding fathers, like, did consider is that no elective position is permanent. Like, it really is up to us. And, like, yes, these past four years did seem like a very long time for everyone. Yes. In in retrospect, like it was only four years. And so like, we'll, and so people that don't like President Biden or disagree with him, like they will too have another four years. And even, you know, we have midterm elections. So in two years, you can make your voice heard again. Um, I forgot where I was really going with that, but, but, (laughs) but like, not everyone's always going to have their way. And like, that's part of the democracy. And, you know, like, 
this should be a lesson to everyone. And I mean, I think it was a lesson. Like, I, I really didn't expect Georgia to flip Senate. I, that I was, was, really, crazy. I was really That was that really was crazy. crazy. And I, it's like historic and it should not be overshadowed. And I don't think it was by like what happened on Wednesday. It was unfortunate that it was the same day, but I really wasn't expecting that. But I think from that in itself, like Georgia flipping is a huge lesson. Like that was a lesson personally, I think to Republicans, like rejecting them and Trump had a big hand. I think why they lost, like that was, that was pure rejection of that thinking, that rhetoric. And so I think, again, like I said, I think it's a lesson that everyone can take from it that whether you voted for these people or not, like you should see what happened that day on the attack of the Capitol and like be worried for a democracy, like really think about like what you value and the values that you share with other people as well. And hopefully we wait another like 200 years for this, hopefully to never happen again. <laughs> um, but yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Leah, for sharing all of your wisdom and sharing with us your stories from being in D.C. Please stay safe and everything like that. Can you please share your socials and where people can find you? Yes, um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. I have the same um, handle. It's Leah Bell. It's L-E with three H's and B-E with three L's. And then my Facebook's my normal name and networking for LinkedIn is my normal name too if anyone needs any (laughs) um career advice or anything I'm an expert by no means but um networking is very important (laughs) (laughs) Leah thank you so much for being here with me today I really appreciate it of course thank you for wanting to talk about this it's really important especially you know in these unprecedented times to use the word that we've been using since last March. But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Of course. I will see you guys next Tuesday. Have a great week.